So is this sport podcast just your attempt to become like the jock of the interactives? Uh, <laughs> I'm already the jock of the interactive, so I can probably stay up. <laughs> shouldn't be to buy players, your goal should be to buy wins. So using this equation on the upper left right here, I'm projecting that you need to win at least 99 games in order to make it to the postseason. Welcome to another episode of Data Day, the weekly data podcast from the Interactives related to all things digital journalism. We're back in our fiery cave of heat in the depths of the journalism department at City, and today I'm joined by our hitherto shady and unknown leader. Hi everyone, um, my name is Matteo Muschella. Um, I'm Italian, so apologize for um, the mistakes, which are going to be endless from now on. What are we talking about today, Matteo? Um, yeah, basically I have um, a background in Italy in sport journalism and more specifically in football. Um, so I was interested in uh, covering with you during this podcast um, how data journalism can address sport and how it is used to address sport. It's so lively. There is so much going on uh, on either side of the Atlantic, whether it's Europe, it's uh, the US, etc. We were talking before um, the start of the podcast about a number of uh, interesting websites and so on. So I'll let you lead. Sorry, I don't want to take over this. No, that's okay. You're a natural leader, Matteo. <laughs> um, this week, uh, obviously, we've seen the football transfer window close and newspapers have done some really exciting data visualization work on that. Uh, yeah, it was all over the place, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. The Guardian has a tradition of uh, posting live interactives, uh, but also this year the Times followed. And what what is actually interesting, for instance, is that you can find uh, the database from the Guardian on their GitHub. So oh, really? if you want to like, that's um, interesting. We're not going to talk about data visualizations a lot, of course, because this is a podcast. Yeah, it's not the perfect format. But still, like in our final like uh, document, uh, I will put in a couple of good examples uh, because it's very interesting how to visualize that number of, number of data which are done by naturally by the, um, the transfer window. Yeah, and sport journalism in general, it really is uh, one of the areas of journalism, I think, that uses data the most. Like you see s- statistics all the time. I mean, even Gary Lineker, not many people <laughs> would call him a data journalist, but he likes to throw in a few stats here and there during match of the day, doesn't he? Yeah, it, it's very interesting. Um, I was talking about that with um, um, the head of the data unit at the Trinity Mirror in Manchester, David Ottenwell. Good name um, drop. A good name drop, right? Uh, but I wasn't talking with him about it, <laughs> uh, literally, but I was talking with people of his team. Um, and we found how hard it was to get statistics because right now, for instance, the uh, Premier League, of course, if we're talking about football, uh, they have done um, a whole website about data about the Premier League. But this is like quite new. So also the number of um, the number of possible data that you can find, like they are limited in time. Whereas if you go, for instance, to the NBA, they are mad about it, uh, about basketball in the US, like, uh, you can, I remember that some years ago, I was able to download for a website I was working for, a PDF of like 25 pages for every single match of 
the NBA, whoever was playing, I don't remember, it was like Chicago Bulls against another team, and they said the record of every single match in the history of the league, uh, who were the top scorers, who scored the most, etc. And it was like 25, I don't even think that score is the right. <laughs> I don't know a lot about basketball, as you can totally understand. But no, you're it, pulling it off. Thank you much. <laughs> but yeah, it's so interesting. Plus, all the, we know that all the teams, like, are now using uh, data software uh, to um, and all not it's just uh, sports which are made in teams but also athletes single athletes uh, when it comes to the Olympics they use uh, software to measure uh, data to improve their own strength to improve their own ability their own fitness and so it becomes like a huge chunk of data which are used every day in sports which is it's time now for journalists to start working on those yeah, I agree. I think we can, I mean, we can divide this into two sections, right? Because mm. firstly, there is the thing that you're talking about where mm. athletes and sports teams use data to measure their own performance. Mm. And then there's also the aspect of data that users or watchers of sports enjoy. Mm. And I think there is a great demand out there for people who like to read about sports or watch sports for statistics. I mean, there's you, you always see um, when you're watching football or really any sport, you watch statistics will pop up on, on the screen. When I'm, when I'm sitting at home watching the test match all day, um, a nice <laughs> visual, visualization going, right? will come up and, and fire out all, yeah, all, the, all the fours and sixes that everyone's, everyone's hit over the... Yeah, game. and there are like these big companies, like I'm thinking about Opta, for instance, which are used and are widely used to, to, do, to do their own data sets and people use it. We have to, to mention that um, it's not just that, you know, a lot of uh, websites already uh, talk about data. Before uh, we were talking, for instance, before the start of the podcast about you were quoting uh, 538 or yeah. uh, BuzzFeed or I thought about um, there is a, a personal blog which is called Minto, which showed uh, recent, recently why um, the World Cup with uh, an implemented number of teams would be a good idea because it would bring more variation. Uh, it would bring also um, a number of differentiation to the game which makes it more interesting. Or for instance, uh, here in the UK, the Financial Times is doing uh, great things regarding to data because like today, five years ago, five hours ago, uh, sorry, not five years ago. Um, of course. Uh, they, they predicted five years ago, they predicted <laughs> who would win the 2016-17 Premier League. It's incredible. Uh, no, first of all, yeah, they actually predicted um, who is going to win the, um, the Premier League and they have a model uh, which was made by uh, John Marduk, one of their journalists, uh, using a number of... Um, interesting variables and you can you can find that in the in the ft.com if you do slash prem uh iphone predict and it goes from the performance so far but it also um takes uh the ratings there is this huge model which is used which is basically um quite scary to look at if you're not like um statistics savvy shall we say uh, but with an interesting methodology, which is an historical database, ratings which are based on attacking and defending, uh, the impact of home field advantage, and so on. And that new uh, and that model is uh, keep um, updated to get uh, the results. I'm not going to tell you who is going to win, but um, spoiler alert: uh, the manager is Italian. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, no, I think it's really interesting to see these things being used to predict sport. And um, 
Nate Silver, I mean, a lot of people might not actually know, but yeah. he, from Nate Silver from 538, you think of him as like a polling expert these days, but really he pioneered this aspect of predicting sport with his, his baseball blog, where he yeah. used to predict the, the results of baseball. And still 538 is used to predict the results of baseball matches. And one example that I really like of this kind of work is Daniel Finkelstein in mm. the... It's the Sunday Times. Yeah, yeah, um, it's the Times for sure. I don't know if it's the Sunday Times. He has a way. weekly column called The Think Tank in which you know he writes about statistical issues in football. Like this this week, I read a really interesting one where he's saying, he's talking about giant killing in the FA Cup. Yeah. And it's a really good lesson for a lot of people on probability. I think a lot of people don't really understand probability because um, he, he's saying what like it's not right that people get so surprised and excited when a lesser team beats a better team in the FA Cup because inevitably that will happen mm. just to use crude statistics if 10 teams with 90 percent chance of winning play mm. on the same day then one of them's going to lose even though they're all much better than the opponents that they're playing so i think that's you know sports are really not only is data a really good way of analyzing sport but sport is a good medium through which to help people understand statistics and probability yeah one, one huge thing that we're not going to cover for instance is betting Mm. Uh, which is like huge here in the UK. Yeah. But all of that is made on models. And um, I mean, sports journalism doesn't mean only, sports data journalism doesn't only mean to predict. Uh, it could be, as you said, to show uh, the variation. But it's not just about football. Like, we should talk about other things as well. Like, when data is used to go beyond what happens in the pitch. You want to talk about BuzzFeed before? Yeah, well, you mentioned betting as well, because yeah. BuzzFeed did this really great investigation it was by Heidi Blake who uh, was obviously like a pretty big name investigative journalist used to work for the FT I think yeah yeah um and it was last year it was last year last um, year January yeah and they yeah they did an investigation into betting patterns in tennis they found patterns that suggested that players were throwing games uh because lots and lots of money was being put on them beforehand um uh, put on their opponents beforehand even though they were the favorites to win and then those results were happening and they could find statistically significant trends on specific players to suggest that they were throwing games but what's interesting is that they didn't feel able to name the players that they found trends for because finding a statistical trend like that it is a pretty clear indicator that there's something shady going on but it's not really proof mm. Yeah, I, I thought as well, um, because we were talking about the past, about like the doping scandal, which was um, basically in, uh, between 2001 and 2012, um, a huge database of blood tests was uh, discovered by the, the German broadcaster ARD um, VDR. Um, and thanks to that leak uh, of this huge uh, number of blood tests, we found out that uh, track and field athletes from Russia um, went through, you know, state-sponsored doping and all the scandals which resulted afterwards and the banning of Russian athletes we see now. It's, um, it's a huge thing and it means, as we said before, going beyond, beyond the, 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 be, behind the scenes and beyond just the um, performance of the single athlete. Uh, but there are also a number of other cases which, for question of brevity, we can't cover them all. No, um, indeed. I mean, this all shows, doesn't it, that sport is an incredible arena to conduct data journalism, mainly because there is so much data available about, you know, all sorts of aspects of it. Yeah. 
let, let's always remember that, I mean, in the end of the, the day, uh, data journalism is journalism, you know, it's not like a, a huge separation, but like, yeah, for sure, the tools that data journalism give you really apply well uh, to sports. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that is probably about what we've got time for. Uh, yeah, shall we just quickly give a number of tips on how to get data, because we said before that data is... A problem mm. um, how to to overcome that problem of taking uh, there will be a, a, a more useful list uh, in the in the podcast but I just wanted to mention uh, of course scraping which is the uh, natural way um, because it is the solution uh, you can use any kind of scraper to get those data and to go beyond beyond uh, the, um, the limits uh, of the websites yeah Sorry. yeah no thanks for, thanks for that and um, Thanks for coming on the podcast as well. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Thanks to Poddington Bear for our theme tune. Uh, Like us on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes. When we get on iTunes, we're still waiting for Apple (laughs) to grant our review. He's so worried about iTunes. If you know Tim Cook, just give him a a little call. (laughs) And also, everybody, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Yeah, we have a brand new newsletter, which is amazing. (laughs) 